Hey, good morning. Hey, we are uh, finishing up this last week of a series that we've called iLink, which is all about uh, connecting with other people. It's all about relationships, friendships. And what we've really been exploring and kind of asking together is, what would it be like if I were the type of friend that God always intended me to be? Every one of us, if we just took a moment, would say, I get it. There's something inside of me, there's an ache that says, life was never intended to be a solo adventure. That I am designed uh, by my Creator to need, to want, to desire to have others who do life with me. So what would it be like to have really, really great friends that I can depend on, lean on, that I don't have to look over my shoulder wondering? And what would it be like to be that type of friend in someone else's life? And so we've just spent the last few weeks trying to figure that out from God's perspective, from the designer's perspective together. You remember uh, you were here last week. We said that uh, last week uh, may be one of the hardest things uh, that you'll ever do. This week, we're going to spend some time talking about something that may be the most life-changing thing that I do within friendship. How many would say here this morning, those of you that are parents who have kids, how many of you would say, who my children pick as friends, big deal? How many would say that? Okay. How, How many of you that are here would say... As an adult, I believe that who I end up with as friends is is a big deal. How many of you here today would say, that's why I'm trying to ditch the friends I have? (laughs) We're going to spend some time talking today and, and figuring out that who I have as friends is a big, 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 big deal. Uh, in my life. And, and I just need to, to do a little disclaimer right from the beginning and tell you that I know that I know that I know that I know that some of us today as we talk this through are going to walk out of here going, I don't think I like that. I wish I hadn't gone to church today. Uh, I'm pretty mad at Lynn. Uh, and when that moment happens, here's all I'm asking. Don't throw anything, okay? Please just... Because <laughs> here's the deal. Here's the deal. You don't have to walk out of here agreeing with me. You don't. You don't. You don't. Matter of fact, one of the things we always say about Cornerstone is that it's okay. It's okay for you to come and say, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. But here's what we always ask. Will you then go take a look at Scripture and figure out, did we say what God said? Or are we off? Did we miss it? Did we have a bad moment at that moment? But if we really did say what God said, then will you and God wrestle that through? Will you and God figure that out within your life? You don't have to answer to me. But will you and God figure that out? Okay? But it's okay to disagree. It's all right. You don't have to. But would you consider what we're going to talk about today? Because I believe what we're going to talk about today has the power to forever, forever, forever change your life. We're going to talk about the power of the lean. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just come before you. and God, we're going to ask, we're going to give permission for you to speak truth within our lives. The reality is, God, there are some of us here who have spent a lifetime struggling in friendships, wondering why other people's friendships turn out differently than ours and why ours always seem to be heading the wrong direction. And and we, we just thought, wow, is that the luck of the draw? Have I just met the wrong... What's going on? And yet today, God, we're going to discover that we have a choice and that there's the power... To change the lean in our lives. 
And so, God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to be open to stuff that perhaps all the way until today we've refused to accept that today would be the day that just becomes aha for our lives? This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Amos. Someone's going, is Amos in the Bible? He must be really desperate if we're going to Amos uh, to find a Bible verse today. Uh, here's, what, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Grab your Bibles. Go to the middle. You're probably going to find the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs. When you stick your finger in the middle, turn to the right. Go slowly because Amos is about that long. Uh, Joel, Amos. If you get to Obadiah, it's a bad sign. Turn around and come back. Okay, Amos uh, chapter 3. Here, While you're turning there. Uh, here's what here's what we need to say to each other to start. Our friendships, who we are aligned with, who we have friendships with, is an amazingly, amazingly powerful thing within my life. My life changes potentially based on who my friends are and who are friends with me. Friendship may be one of the most significant life-determining factors. And if you'll stop and think, you go, you know, you're right, Lynn. I, I've got this friend, and, and we got together, and we did some stuff we should have never done. And if I hadn't been a friend, I maybe I wouldn't have. Others of you are sitting here today, and you go, you know what? The only reason my life's on track, I had a friend. I had a friend at the right moment, right time. And what friendship may be one of the most powerful things that happens within our lives. It's huge. And so how we handle this is incredibly life-changing for us. Amos chapter 3. And let me give, I'm going to give you today three reasons why friendships are so key, so powerful within our lives. Amos chapter 3 simply says this. Verse 3. And if you haven't found it yet, just close your Bibles and pretend. Okay? Pretend you got there. Um, that's what the rest of us do. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, here's what it says. Do two walk together unless they have agreed? Deeply profound, deeply spiritual insight. You know why I took you there now. Do two walk together except they be agreed? And all scripture saying at this point is this. Look, if you're going to be a friend, if you're going to hang out with somebody, if you're going to be with them, you've got to kind of agree on where you're going. You get ready to leave church today and you're hanging out with another family and you say, hey, let's let's go to lunch together. And you go, yeah, sure, let's do that. Where do you want to go to lunch? I, I want to go to nothing but noodles. Well, I was thinking Paradise Bakery. Can I just give you a clue? You're not having lunch together. Yeah, because unless you can agree on where you're going, you're not having lunch together. Scripture just simply says, can two walk together unless they've agreed on something? Which means this, and here's what you got to get. Who my friends are says an awful lot about me. Who my friends are says an awful lot about me. If you meet my friends, you will in some sense have met me. Why? Because can two walk together unless they be agreed? And when I meet your friends, here's what I know. Some of what I'm meeting in them, I'm meeting in you because you have it in common. Here's how this works. How many ladies in here? Be honest. Be honest. How many ladies in here used to play with Barbies? Come on. Oh, you're lying. If, if, you're, if you're saying you didn't play with Barbies, you're like a thousand years old. Right? I mean, come on. How many ladies played with Barbies? All right. Sheesh. 
I didn't play with Barbies. I was too cool to play with Barbies. You played with Barbies. How many still play with Barbies? Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Every little girl grows up playing with dolls. But somewhere, somewhere, playing with dolls stops being cool. Somewhere around junior high. Some of us, it was around college. But somewhere, it stops being cool, playing with dolls. And and all of a sudden, it becomes boys. Boys. And and so all of a sudden, if you had a little friend and and you guys were hanging out, and it was all about playing Barbies together, because that was the thing we had in common. And now all of a sudden, you decided, no, 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 no. Boys are the thing. And now your little friend calls you up on the phone and says, Hey, let's hang out and play Barbie. Chances are your answer at that moment was, well, that's, No, 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 no. Could we talk about boys? And suddenly something changed in your relationship. And here's what I know. That unless your friend began to change with you and decide that boys were more important than dolls, there's a chance you probably left that friend behind. Why? Can two walk together except they be agreed? It's why I know that if I meet your friend, I've met you. Because you will always have something in common with them. Here's the second part of that. When we start talking about friends and getting together and things we have in common, guess what the number one attractive between two people is? Now, I know what you're thinking. What's the number one attractive between two people? You ready? Character. Character. And you watch this. Right now, you're not going to believe me, but you watch this. You do this over and over again. And you watch two people, and and they're together, and you go, why is he with her? And why are those? Character. 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 So here's what I know. You hang out with people who lie all the time. Then I know that at the very least, very least, here's what you've said. There's a moment in which it's appropriate to lie, apparently. You know, it's not always the best thing to do, but if all your friends are liars, then I know that you've apparently have landed on the idea that says, well, there's a time. There's a time and a place for lying because character, number one, attractive. See, if if you're hanging out with people who cheat all the time, then somewhere you've said, hey, you know what, there's moments. There's moments when you cheat. You play Monopoly, you cheat. You do your taxes, you cheat. You know, and somewhere you said, hey, that's apparently okay. Because here's... Friends, friends always have something in common. And when I meet your friends, I know something about you. So let me just ask this question. If I were to meet your best friends, your closest friends, what would I know about you? It's a great question, isn't it? If I were to meet your best friends, what would I know about you? Second reason why friendship is so huge in my life. Who I'm friends with will change me. So you can't hang out with someone else. You can't have a friend and not be affected by that friendship. You know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you've got little phrases you say back and forth. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, hip huggers are cool. Or, you know, I mean, because, why, why? Because who I hang out with changes me. It, it affects me in my life. Grab your Bibles real quick, because Scripture says this too. And go to the left just a little bit in your Bible, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. 
Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Here's what it says about friendship. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And all I'm saying is this. Whoever you're friends with, they're going to affect you. They're going to sharpen you. They're going to grind things off of you. You will be changed based on who your friendship. As iron sharpens iron, so one man affects another. One woman affects another. If you'd have met me when I was 13 years old, you you would not have given a prayer that I would be sitting here today. (laughs) I, at 13, I was a mess. I was a mess. I was a mess. My parents had divorced. I was so deeply, and I mean profoundly, angry at God. I mean, my stance in life was basically this. If God could let that happen in my home, then God stinks. It was the 70s. And along in my life came a friend who forever, 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 forever changed me because friends change friends. Iron sharpens iron. And I'm just going to tell you that on the day I first met Wayne, he was the last guy in the whole world that I wanted as a friend. I was 13 years old and a little church down the road had hired Wayne to be their youth pastor. And when he got there, there were two kids in the youth group. And Wayne said to the leadership, and he says, surely there's got to be some more kids in this neighborhood. And they said, well, there's this one really, really... His name's Lynn, and he came a couple times. And so Wayne came and knocked on my door. And I'm telling you, I walked to the door, and I thought, oh, my goodness. Because here's, here's the deal. Wayne, you could tell, even this one, Wayne was one of those guys, I guarantee, was picked last on the playground every time. <laughs> I was a little bit athletic. I was doing the hippie thing. He was corporate. He came to my door in a leisure suit. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you that every value in my life said, if someone approaches you in a leisure suit, run, run, run. And yet I'm going to tell you that the one of the most profound relationships, most profound friendships, life-changing friendship, was Wayne. Because Wayne would go out and spend time with me, would say to me, Hey, Lynn, you realize that all your anger, all your bitterness, it's ruining your life. You realize you're so busy hating your dad that you're growing up to be just like him. You're spending so much emotional energy in his direction that the only person you're focused on is the guy you don't want to be like and you look just like him. And can I tell you that my relationship with God changed based on a friend ironing, sharpening, iron, sharpening, iron. And all Scripture is saying is this, who you're friends with, it's going to rub some stuff out of your life. So here's my question. Your friends, the people you're hanging with, are they, what are they rubbing out of your life? Are they rubbing the crummy stuff 
the stuff that doesn't belong there? Or are your friends rubbing out some of the good stuff? Because they don't understand it. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them. Why would you believe? How come? You go to church. And you just need to hear me say, as iron sharpens iron. Another great question at this moment is, what are you rubbing out of the lives of your friends? How are you sharpening them? Third reason why friendships are so powerful. Who I'm friends with is critical. It is huge in the tough times. Because guys, we get this, right? Anybody will be your friend when everything's okay. Right? Anybody will be your friend when all the money's pouring in and you're popular and the house is big and the kids are big. Anyone will be your friend. But it takes a true friend to be with you in the tough times. And who is your friend in the tough times is critical. Because it'll change how you handle the tough times. Grab your Bibles one more time. Go to the right this time to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Here's what it says. Two, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. See, here's all it's saying. It's saying, look, look. You're going to know, I mean, friendship's going to play a big deal in your life. You're going to learn the power of friendship when all the chips are down. When you fall, when you struggle, when all of a sudden the doctor comes and says, cancer. See, when when the career you've worked for all your life and the thing you've striven for for 20-something years, and suddenly you're fired. When all of a sudden your marriage is crumbling. It'll be huge in that moment. Who's your friend? Because if in that moment you've chosen for your deepest friendships to have someone who desperately, desperately loves God, then in that moment they're going to say something to you like this. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't like it. But here's what I know. God's still in charge. So, I'm going to trust Him. And you need to trust Him. And we'll just trust Him together till we get to the other side of this. But you live that same moment with someone who does not have that hope in them, doesn't understand that, just doesn't... God doesn't make sense. They're not bad people. God just doesn't make sense yet in their lives. Any way they're going to give you that same advice? (laughs) That moment comes... And your deepest friend is someone who's still playing by the old rules. You're you're, going to hear stuff like this. Don't get mad. Get even. No, no, no. And I'm just telling you, my divorce was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Stick it to him. Okay, 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 okay. Sometimes you just got to lie a little bit. Better to lie than to hurt someone's feelings, right? And it changes everything, doesn't it? Who I'm friends with when life isn't working. She so said, well, 
Okay, okay, Elaine. So, so what do you do with this? How do you nab? What do you? Where are we headed with this? And here, it's the power of the lean. It's the power of the lean. And what Scripture is going to come back and tell us is, is that who you and I lean on, and when we choose to lean, makes all the difference in the world. In friendship. One more time in your Bibles. Go to the right. You're going to want to go there and see this with me. It's Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Here's what Scripture says about the lean in my life. Verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And, and what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Now let me tell you what that passage does not say. Okay? That passage does not, does not, does not, does not, does not, does not, does not say that you and I should not be friends with people who don't know our Jesus. Can I say that again? That passage does not, does not, does not say that you and I should not be friends with people who don't know our Jesus. Matter of fact, think about this. Remember when Jesus was walking the earth? And remember what the Pharisees were nailing for? They're going, hey, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. You're, you're having dinner with prostitutes. I mean, come on, buddy. You Remember that? Jesus hung out with the wrong crowd. This does not say that you and I as believers are not to have friends who don't know our Jesus yet. Matter of fact, I'm going to suggest this to you. If you and I go crawling off into a holy huddle and all we ever have friends with are people who know our Jesus already, what good are you? Because as a matter of fact, Scripture says that you and I are supposed to affect and be the light to people who don't know our Jesus yet. And you go off in some little room and just have Christians only and the secret handshake to get in. You're worthless as a Christian, okay? It's not what it says. It's not. But when you look at the life of Jesus, who were his closest friends? Peter, James, and John. Three guys sold out on following God. And the answer is, it's all about the lean. Matter of fact, matter of fact, if you go back to the passage, look how it starts. Do not be yoked. Yoked. That's a weird phrase. How many of you yoked something up today? You know, I was getting ready to go to church and I just yoked up. You know, I'm, my wife got out of line and boy, I yoked her. Boy, I'll take Go in your room and put on your yoke, kid. I mean, you know, we, it's, it's a farming thing, and we don't we don't get it. But here's here's what you need to know: huge phrase, and the, and when written, very very powerful. You don't have farm tractors, you don't have machinery. Matter of fact, the most powerful thing you had on your entire farm was a team of oxen, and there was nothing more powerful, more precious. You ready than this? Than a matched set 
And, and so what you would do is you would get your matched set of oxen, you would put the yoke across their shoulders, and then you would strap them into the yoke in order to harness all that power to go plow your fields. God says, when you decide to get yoked with someone, make sure that someone knows your Jesus. Make sure you're a matched set. Because there's nothing more ugly than an unmatched set. He says, hey, well, you take a big old oxen, strong, fully grown, powerful, and you line that up with some young ox just trying to figure it out. So now they're trying to plow down the field, and the young ox is looking over at the grass on the side, and he's... Right? And you get a little further and down the field, and all of a sudden the young ox is looking at all the girl oxes, and he's... Anybody want to guess what your field looks like? And God says, no, no, no. When it comes to the important things of life, when it comes to who you're going to yoke up with, be sure it's a match set. And you're like, how's that work? What does that mean? It means it's all about the lean. It's all about the lean. And you guys are going, what does that mean? It's all about the lean. Like, You thought I left, didn't you? Oh. Okay, which one's the Christian? Pick one, just pick one. Which one's going to be the Christian? No, so women are all going, the girl, the girl. The guys are going, the guy's the Christian. She's an obvious pagan. She's actually back working in the sound booth, but that's okay. Okay, all right. We'll make him the pagan. Uh, he's obviously faking it. Okay. Uh, so it's all about the lean. So here, here's, what, here's what Scripture says. Here's what God's saying. You and, I, you and I can have a thousand relationships like this. A thousand relationships. She's doing her life. He's doing his life. They like sailing. It's the thing they have in common. So they go out sailing together. They spend time together. It's okay. And God says, thousand relationships like that. It's healthy. But all of a sudden the day comes when he decides it's all about motocross. She's still sailing. Probably not friends anymore. thing we had in common is gone. God says, all right, that's right. That's fine. It's fine. She knows God. He doesn't know God. It's all right. God says, this is okay. You and I can have relationships where I know God. He's trying to figure out God. And he begins to use us, use her as a reference point in her life. He begins to ask, hey, what, you know, and why and how. And I was wondering, you know, something's not going, and could you help? And he's leaning on her. And God says, hey, have a hundred relationships like that. Matter of fact, I would even suggest to you that this may be incredibly, incredibly powerful. Because if you have a person who's still trying to figure out Jesus, and they begin to lean on you as a believer, they're probably only this far from God. 
And you may have the opportunity to help him figure the rest of it out. And so God says, no, no, hey, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine. But God comes back and says, there's one way this doesn't work. can't as a believer be leaning on someone who doesn't know my Jesus for the answers. I can't do it. You will. Why, 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 why not? Because because who I have as friends that I lean on says an awful lot about me. Because the only way you can have friends is if you have something in common. And if one of my deep, significant relationships in my life is with someone who doesn't know my Jesus yet then guess what they don't have in common to share with me? So guess who I have to check at the door every time I pursue that relationship? Why why is this a big deal? Because who I'm friends with changes me. And and if I have a significant, a leaning relationship with someone who doesn't know my Jesus yet, as good intention as they are, as nice a person as they are, are they ever going to be able to change me to be like Jesus. Because who I do life with when I get to the toughest, toughest, toughest moments of life is a big deal. And as nice as this guy is, a great a guy as this guy is, when life is falling apart, he doesn't know how to say, trust Jesus, trust Jesus, trust Jesus. And God would come back and say, It's all about the lean. Where are you leaning? Where are you leaning? See, I I can have a thousand relationships like that. I can have a hundred relationships like that. I'm in trouble. So my question is, How's the... How's the lean? Let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, I, I know, I know that for some of us, this, this was huge. This was tough because if we were honest, we'd, we'd have to say, I'm leaning in all the wrong places. So, God, I'm just going to ask that whoever would find themselves in that moment would just go, wow. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get why it's been so hard. And I get why the tough times of my life have been so confusing. I get why my Christian walk looks like a heartbeat and why it seems like I'm getting mixed information. God, I pray for some that are here who still haven't figured out Jesus yet. And and they would say, you know what? I got a feeling maybe what I've been lacking in my life is a friend I could lean on. And maybe Jesus is that friend who could take all of my lean. So God, would you just help us to live this in our lives? Help us to lean 
in the right direction. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.